0: Y'all, this is Market Explainer, America's number one business news podcast. There is no other. We Mm -hmm. are it.
1: Okay. Well, we are the best of the the non others. I'm just
0: saying that. Who compares to us? We are the Tesla of market. We're the Tesla of business podcasts.
1: And I'm sure everybody missed us last week. We did kind of take a bye week off. It's completely Danny's fault. That's Um, entirely not true, okay? (laughs) One
0: of my girlfriends said she was having a kid, but I said we could still do the show,
1: (laughs) right?
0: I'm not going to fly to Mexico City just for, a you know, a, a... whatever they call it a
1: screening danny does like the latinas but um anyway uh, (laughs) what are we doing this week danny
0: before we got of course we're doing this week what we do every week which is we're going to talk about four business news stories we're going to explain them to you Mm -hmm. and then give our opinion on them but before we do that i want to tell everyone about our patreon we are developing a community over at patreon we want it to be a place where everyone goes to talk smack to trade um you know non-insider publicly available information <laughs> on stock <laughs> trades all right has everyone else sunk all of their money into uranium two weeks ago and now they're all sweating
1: that's i'm hilarious. really sweating My yes market Gary, explainer.com patreon.com slash market explainer all get you correct. in the same place
0: we we would love for you to go check out our website it has all of our sponsors and all of our other stuff there um mm-hmm. and, of course, our Patreon, like as I mentioned. Uh, And if you check that out, we're going to be adding some different shows up there, um, Mm -hmm. some different style content, stuff that we want to do but doesn't fit into this format. will be over there. And then as time goes on, we'll be offering other rewards and so on. But uh, this first story... Uh, China's Lehman Brothers moment
1: is here. <laughs> all right, that's that's I knew you were going to uh, immediately tie these things okay. and they are not in any way whatsoever alike. Related. Well, well, they're definitely okay. not related, but they're not even alike. And I get where people are. First of all, let's let, let's explain what we're yes, about to talk about.
0: So, Evergrande is China's premier property development company They have about 300 plus million dollars in U.S. Of course, debt,
1: 300 billion. Sorry,
0: 300, 300
1: billion dollars in outstanding debt.
0: That's correct. Um, And uh, as people have dug into the internals of this company, turns out some of their practices are less than reputable. Sometimes they'll go and say, hey, we're building an apartment (laughs) complex in in this city in, in China and uh-huh. uh, we, we're going to take prepayments up front, and then they go, "Oopsie daisy," we're not going to build the building, and then people go, "Where's our money?" And then Evergreen goes,
1: "Money? What? What? Money? What money?" So um, they claim to be part of thirteen hundred real estate projects, yeah. um in two hundred and eighty Chinese cities.
0: Let me ask uh, they you this also, question. Yeah, go ahead. Doesn't thirteen hundred for for having this
1: much debt? Doesn't thirteen hundred feel small? Oh, the, well, no, for, no, no, no. It's insanely small, and, and yeah, okay. this is this is what I would say. So, according to the company that Correct. is that is now default technically, Insolvent. but They're according solvent. to them, they say that they have worked out a deal to come current, even though they've missed their first interest only payment. Yep, hey. not even full payment, interest it, only payment.
0: To, to, the, to the Chinese, you know, uh, capital and economic regulators, it's not like there's ever been an example in recent human history <laughs> that you can look at and say, hey... Maybe uh, this is not going to work if we we'll, do this.
1: Uh, but there's a difference between the Chinese market and the American market. We'll get yes. into that in a minute. But 100%. according to this company, they have 1,300 real estate projects in 280 cities in China. Right. Um, they are involved in electric vehicle production, property management, the film and TV production industry, okay. theme park construction, life insurance, yes. healthcare, football, and food products. For infants, so okay. football being soccer, obviously. Yes, but so so this is a company that is. He, there's a, there's two parts to this. One, I'm going to say this out front again. I, I mentioned it already. The Chinese government and and stock market. And how they run things is completely right. different than the American stock market. The Lehman Brothers, and what led to that, if you don't know what the Lehman Brother moment is, this is the right. moment that the Lehman Brothers in uh, 2008, yes. um, uh, basically went bankrupt, filed for bankruptcy because they couldn't cover their loans. And it led to, because of the subprime mortgage, they were heavily right. leveraged in the subprime mortgage, led to what we call the Great Recession. Right, yes. um, the, the housing crisis of two thousand nine. The great financial crisis is the great financial before. crisis. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, the so that people are comparing to this because of the amount of debt and stuff like that right. however in america we have a very finite it's very difficult in america right. everything ties to everything without a, a whole lot of whether you believe this or not without a whole lot of governmental interference in the way things right. can fall oh, that's hold on no okay. however in the chinese government and the way chinese stocks and stuff work right. they feel like the world market as we know it feels right. like in this instance that the Chinese market will conceal this company because the Chinese yeah. market can do something as simply as the Chinese government could literally write a300 billion dollar check and go, right. here you go, y'all are solvent. we'll figure all this out later and go on about their business. Well so the, the part that I like is <clears throat>
0: this moment has been a, has been coming for some time and it wasn't it was in the recent past I want to say in the last two months. Evergrande announced that they were going to start building electric cars, and as a guy who looks at that, I go, "Oh, this is this is simply stock manipulation. They're attempting to, I shouldn't say manipulate their stock. They're attempting to find areas to build a little bit of liquidity mm-hmm. to solve their liquidity issue here because they don't have the capital to keep their loans going. So they understand that the golden child of investment today is the electric car market, the emerging. Electric car market, China being one of the world's largest markets for electric cars, and yep. so they were trying to take over Nevs, which is uh, which another Chinese company failed to take over, which was the former Saab, right? So when Saab mm-hmm. went under from uh, from General Motors, a company acquired them, but S- but General Motors wouldn't release the Saab name, so they had to give them a new name, and that company never sold a car in its life. That right. Nevs never sold a car. National Electric Vehicles of Sweden, which was owned entirely by Chinese companies. And Evergrande said, we're going to take this over. We're going to start making electric cars. That didn't work out. And they tried another thing. They tried to do all of this to boost their stock, to mm-hmm. raise capital, to prevent this moment where they went insolvent. it. Now, listen, I do agree with you that this is nothing like the Lehman Brothers situation at all, right? And the reason this is a story in the United States is... <clears throat> is is we all are starting to understand, especially from the last year, our economies have more mutually assured destruction created in them than we could imagine, than ever, than ever in history. Ever. Than ever we in history. We are more
1: connected than anybody of the the anybody that fears globalism or globalists for whatever right. reason. Uh, you should be more afraid now than any. Other. We are economically tied to. All kinds Everything. of different governments around the world. Now, yeah. and this is this is how when I say I don't think this is a huge story, this is how it can become one. Not because of this yeah. uh, specifically, but because right. of what it can turn around and ripple. The country of China has used low debt. Right? It's been increasing its debt, companies in China have been increasing its debt and China's been able to leverage that to fuel its gross domestic product for decades now, using cheap, non-existent interest loans forever right? right you can come in get cheap money and keep growing and if you right. have a bad year you just borrow more cheap money right, and you right, keep right. going and it and so it props up bad companies and then you turn around and this company was created in i think 1996 so you jump forward 25 years you have a company that now owns the title of the most in-debt real estate company in the world Right. That can no longer make its payments, interest payments on its right. three hundred billion dollar debt. What right. that turnaround and does if this is the first of many of those types of companies to fall apart? You right. then affect China's economy. That that does that affect domino, the American miracles. economy. That so, does affect it. You know.
0: So you know Jerome Powell, of course, the the Fed chairman said. Now, there's not really a concern. There's not a lot of exposure in the US market. And right. that's, that's, that's probably true. But the, the question is um, markets don't function on things like facts, statistics, math, or reality. Mar- markets, <laughs> especially financial markets, um, operate entirely on feelings. Absolutely. Right?
1: Emotion and. It's and, entirely yeah.
0: emotion. And I know that people are like, you know, you can look at the metrics of a lot of businesses and be like, man, that stock is really undervalued. The point is nobody likes the stock. Right. That's it.
1: Nobody right. likes Absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely. So the reality is the average American does not have a, a strong grasp on what the mutual funds inside their 401k hold, what assets those the, their 401ks hold. So you actually are, are unaware of if you have exposure to this or not. You may not have any direct exposure in your portfolio to Evergrande. That's probably the case for a lot of American people, right? Um, but you may have exposure to something that is the second or third domino that that that, that in turn falls because of this this uh, default at Evergrande. And that's mm-hmm. where this starts becoming an American story, um, because as I said before, and I'm not going to say the G word because you know I, I want to continue to have a channel. Um, thanks. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm just kidding. But globalism but it, is a, is, is a yeah, reality of a market. if this mother, is the things. first domino, right? If right. this is an isolated domino, look, this company only does business in China. They're not a company right. that turns around and, you know, is building real estate in Dubai as well right. and yes, New York yes, City yes. And, and whatever, right? Their, I, their company is isolated to China and that gives right. them a unique ability to insulate this matter. Correct. Now, and so, if it we, is a first domino, if it's a red flag of what a bunch of other companies have also have been taking on debt and also haven't had success in their businesses and yada yada yada, then it could become a bigger problem. Now, this actually came out. This story came out what a week ago, close yeah. to a week ago. It's been building for a while. Right. So the market, though the market scent of the market emotion. Yeah. As you mentioned, since this is people agreeing with me that it's an isolate, it's easily isolatable right. by the Chinese and government. The markets have not reacted to it, right, right. Uh, and that kind of stuff. So and we seem to
0: all agree. And this is why I the sentiment when other people have used the phrase, and this is not I'm not the first guy to coin or even use the phrase Lehman Brothers moment. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm saying that there is an essence of truth to that. Is if you look at how people are reacting to, listen, we had senators go on TV and say the president of the United States went on television in 2008 and said, "Listen, the fundamentals of our economy are perfectly fine." Right. Right. This is an isolated incident. That's I'm hearing. This is complete deja vu from 2008. Right. I was a mortgage. uh, originator at that right,
1: time. Right, a loan originator at the time, yeah.
0: Yes. All of this, I I watched in horror, I was like, uh-huh? Knowing people that I'd, I had helped get mortgages were not in a position that, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, Well, you know, but look, the myself, difference but...
1: being that the Lehman Brothers thing back then, the Lehman moment was... There were people because of just the sheer statistics of what was going on in the market that Correct. predicted that. And, you know, you have now you could, I, I could also see that you have a predictor in this. Again, I've, I've already said that they've been giving cheap to almost zero interest loans to companies that have not been successful in their business for right. decades now, right? But for those, all those dominoes to fall at one time would take a, a lot more. I mean, the, the, I think the only reason this is as big of a story as it is, is it's the largest debt company in the world, right? I right. mean, how, the question becomes, and I think this is the question everybody's asking, is the question becomes, how does a company like this get to $300 billion in outstanding debt?
0: And, and you know what's even f- more interesting to me is a company called Citron Research um, out of Los Angeles. Came out with a white paper back in 2012, saying that Evergrande is insolvent and that most of their debt is that that their position in the market was make believe, right? And at that time, Citron had taken a short position, which the Chinese market or the Chinese regulators banned the company from trading. And this is the first year they're back allowed. They had a five year ban on trading. This is the first year they're back allowed to trade in Hong Kong. Uh, But that's interesting that somebody that
1: many years ago said, oh, this is we're this is a problem. See this. And I and I have a hard time saying this because I don't say it lightly. This reeks to me of a good old fashioned scam. Right? right, Where yeah. the people that were involved in this, meaning the upper echelon people, the board, yeah. the people, yes. the owners or whatever, have yeah. made probably millions if not billions off of this company right. to turn around in the company itself to be $300 billion in debt. Right? right which which doesn't going forward help the employees that they've already stopped paying help right. the companies or halfway apartment complexes that they've already started building it doesn't right. help anybody at the bottom middle to the bottom but the owners of this company and the board of this company has probably made millions if not hundreds of millions or billions of dollars
0: yeah. they did the they did a they did what I like the um you know, like the corporate raiders of the, the 80s and 90s, but mm-hmm. they would just go leverage, lever a company up to the hills. They Sears did, right? In Absolutely. recent memory, the, the, the example would be Sears. Right. Uh, you know, a big, you know, uh, private equity company comes in. They, they say, oh, we need, you know, they they lever the company up to the hills with, with outside debt. Then yep. their company provides a bunch of, uh, you know, management fees. Services offices, and yeah. And then they use that outside debt to satisfy those
1: internal bills to their fund. And then file for bankruptcy. Oopsie daisy. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. And that's what this feels like to me. It feels like right. a company that's, that's, got away with it now for 25 years, probably got on the verge of getting caught a couple of times, but we're doing just enough work to stay underneath the radar, right? They did finish projects, they did do this, they did do that, whether it was overpriced or over, you know what I mean? Build or whatever, everybody just kind of overlooked it because they kept getting loans (laughs) to cover it from year in and year out, and then eventually a loan doesn't come through, or somebody that's in charge of something falters, or whatever right. and, or you get a, a, a you get a person that's in charge of it I, I give you an example um, and this is in the the gambling industry in Nevada there was a there's a, a guy I know that is one of the few people that does what he does in the gambling industry and he had a back what we call a backdoor deal with a, right. uh, with one of the largest companies in the world that comes to gambling right right The point is, is he had made a contract with a backdoor deal with this guy that basically said, okay, as long as you get A, B, and C done, I'll make sure a check gets pushed for you. you. (coughs) You keep your small company alive because you're providing a service, yada, yada. Well, that guy decides to take a job at another big company in the gambling industry. And guess what happens to that backdoor deal? Even though everybody's fulfilled everything, that backdoor deal's gone. Right Right, right, right. now, you turn around in that backdoor deal that was running just fine while he was there. The company itself, the person that comes in and fills that slot, like, Well, I'm not going to do that, right? Right, Or whatever. And now you affect how that company survives, runs, whatever, which in turn affects the first company, right? Right, because they were getting services and yada. So, this to me feels like one of those where maybe there was a lot of backdoor deals going on. I, again, I don't know how a company. Doing what they do gets to a a debt of three hundred billion dollars. Like I correct, I, how do you amass and, that amount of debt and, on a world stage and nobody blinks a whistle?
0: Yeah, and here here's what I think. Ultimately, I don't think this is this is a story, but it it, it will be a non-story sooner than later. The CCP will just cut a check and it, life will go on.
1: Right. right. They'll buy and, out whoever's in charge of this, or right. they'll throw them in jail one way or the other, whether, however they want to handle it. We
0: don't have and, any opinion on the politics of the nation of China. Right. Absolutely not.
1: And, they will, and they'll break it apart right, right. into whatever yeah. they see fit. Right, and they'll right. break it apart, um, and, and it's just the way they'll do it. Right, and that's why right. the world stage doesn't see this as a big deal because they know the Chinese government is we'll going to step, step in in, in some right. way, fashion, reform, and do whatever they think they need to do to protect itself. Right, you know what I mean. That's that's all that it boils down to.
0: Exactly. Well, nonetheless, uh, before we move on to this next story. Uh, I want to tell you about our sponsor for that segment, Acre Gold. Acre gold, meet the new store of value, same as the old store of value. Two and a half gram gold bars are a great way for the seasoned investor or the new gold investor to get started in investing in gold. Acre gold lets you build an account, accrue up the correct amount of money, and then when you build up that amount of money, they actually send you the physical gold bars. You can click our link down in the description down below and get started with your Acre Gold account today. That's right. Speaking of Acre Gold, a MailChimp, speaking of <laughs> billions of dollars that don't make any sense to me, a MailChimp. <laughs> and if any of you are in the, the marketing industry, you're familiar with MailChimp. They're an email marketing company, they help you automate your email marketing. <clears throat> it blows my mind. I know who they are.
1: I, right. I know that
0: there's. I know a lot of companies that use their service, um, and if you get automated emails, if you get promotional emails, you've probably seen Mailchimp on the thing.
1: If you've looked at the bottom, unsubscribe at all. It's it, yep. you, you know, Mailchimp is definitely one of the bigger ones for. And this is the key to the story: is the small to medium business, right? Yes. Uh, small to medium uh, is key. Intel is not using Mailchimp. Right? Google's not using MailChimp, obviously, right? Or whatever. Small to medium business. So the story here is that MailChimp has been bought out
0: by by Intuit
1: Intuit for $12 billion in cash and stock. In cash, well, twelve billion dollars is, you know what I mean. Yeah. However, they want to slice that pie, right? But Intuit, if you, if I'm sure you recognize that company, whether you know that company to me, right. not as a well-known company as Mailchimp, as far as right. the name, but you do know it. Intuit owns TurboTax, which is probably right. where you've known it from commercials. Intuit's TurboTax. It right. owns QuickBooks. It right. owns Credit Karma, right? It, it, it owns, owns Quicken, several small- too, right? It owns Quicken, exactly. Not Quicken loans.
0: The software Quicken.
1: The Quicken software, exactly. So it and it's bought the um, it's bought. I think its last one it bought was uh, uh, Credit Karma a couple of years ago uh, for eight yeah eight billion dollars last year. Eight billion dollars for Credit Karma last year. Now turn around and twelve billion dollars for Mailchimp this year, and you among others are asking this question of why. MailChimp is a... Yeah, I don't... MailChimp is a... uh, I don't
0: don't understand how Credit Karma... Now, I didn't know about Credit Karma, even though I am the business genius of this podcast, and the resident um, PhD holder uh, identifies having a PhD in economics. And by holder,
1: he means holding it in his hands. That's correct. Uh, But go ahead.
0: Um, No, I'm just... Surprised that I those two acquisitions, especially back to back at these volumes, uh, I don't understand the the strategy here. And you know what? It, here's what it sounds like to me: it sounds like one of these companies they're going to into it's going to end up holding it for a year, two or three years, and then mm-hmm. they're going to be like, "This strategy doesn't make any sense," and they're going to start. And listen, this is the same thing that happened with Verizon. Verizon acquired all of these media properties, and within uh, eighteen months, was like, "This ain't going to work." And within 24 months of having made all those acquisitions was spinning everything off and selling everything because it didn't make sense for Verizon to own Huffington post the same way. Why does Intuit own MailChimp kind of makes sense because they're, they're existing customer base that uses QuickBooks. They probably need email marketing services. So that kind mm-hmm. of makes sense that they have that, a credit card, but that's a consumer platform that doesn't, you know,
1: I, well, I think, like I said, the key to this is small, medium business, right? Yeah. O- according to what um, Intuit has said about this acquisition, because a lot of people are asking the same question you and I this doesn't right. make sense. Why right. is a, a a heavily small to medium business, you know, QuickBooks taxes, right? right, bookkeeping kind of stuff? At least Credit Karma kind of falls in with that bookkeeping, right? You can kind of kind of link it. But but why do they want to buy Mailchimp, right? Or right. why do they purchase Mailchimp? And the only thing that Intuit has said is literally they want to become the center of small business growth and to disrupt the small business mid-market is originally, is the quote that they're using. It's the only explanation they've given is essentially saying, and maybe their idea is they're buying an audience, right? All okay. these small to medium businesses at MailChimp, they're gonna turn around and market to directly, right? And get okay. them into QuickBooks or whatever. But again, $12 billion sounds like a lot of money to, to buy an audience. And yeah. let me tell you something, the, the winner in this to me, is whoever started Mailchimp? Yeah, of course. Like whoever started Mailchimp is is walking away with billions of dollars yeah. at this point, to, and they're to, like, uh, "Sure." Yeah, and
0: so um, it was Mailchimp was started uh, for those who are unaware in two thousand one. It's based in Atlanta, um, and you're entirely correct. Whoever started Mailchimp, and they're an Atlanta-based company. So I'm just guessing. I don't I, I don't know this mm-hmm. for sure. But they probably didn't take a lot of investment up front because well, they're not no. from the valley. So and they started kind of post dot-com bust. Mm-hmm. So they they kind of you know existed in a hard time it was to be a dot-com uh, company. Mm-hmm. And it blows my mind that they're, you know, and it's 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 been a sludge. It's 20 years to see an exit like this. But if you're the guy who started it or the person who started it from the ground up, my guess is they sweat it out. Right, very little capital investment is my guess.
1: If I remember Um, right, that MailChimp was one of those quote unquote bootstrap companies and always has been that's ran very lean, ran very small to accomplish the big things that they have, and you know, went out there and just grew and grew and grew and grew. And if I remember correctly, they were a bootstrap company, and then you turn around 20 years later, being a bootstrap company. And get twelve billion dollars for your product. That's right. got to feel pretty. That's got to feel pretty good, right? You know, um, whether you understand what it's going to be used for or not, I, I, I guarantee right. you, this is one of those acquisitions that if you go to Mailchimp, whoever yeah. is the CEO of that company or owner of that company or whatever, and you go, "Hey, do you know why Intuit bought you?" And They go, uh, "They handed me a twelve billion dollar check." I have no clue.
0: I don't care. So. Here's what's interesting. In 2019, which is the last recorded data I can I could pull up, they had revenue of seven hundred million dollars. So this isn't even a like they're not even doing revenue annually of a billion. So I mean, and this is there's no physical product here. So this is, you know, like they they probably have a decent profitability, like you know, they're probably 20, 30% profit, something like that. Well, it's if all online I'm,
1: product, right? They don't have a real product, right? There's no exactly. tangible, they're not manufacturing so, anything, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Their highest cost is employment. Right. So that's so that's
0: what I'm saying is their highest cost is HR. So my that's so what I'm trying to get at is my guess is they have really high profitability, but still, like, let's, they're at 700 million, they're 12X earnings. They're over 12X earnings at this point at that at mm-hmm. that cost basis blows my mind that people are paying this much for something right but the reality is can we're we're two people who understand not a, a, you know email marketing right we have a grasp right. of what that is can you name the next the number two after mailchimp no okay so i mean mailchimp that's it like that that is the when we think of email i mean there's I can, but I'm just saying. Well, take me a minute. at have to Google, right? Right,
1: but that's that's the point. Is in this, uh, the only thing that I can think of is into it as well. Right. Is is also like Mailchimp. They, these are all virtual products, right? Right. QuickBooks and all of this stuff. These are all what used to be a program you bought and you own forever. They yes. now charge you monthly access for, much like Word right. or anything else. Yes. So so these are Fast. all high, very low overhead. Right. But high-value products—they right. generate monthly revenue right. with little Stable to no maintenance avenue. from the company. Right. Right. Um, I, I, you know the tax software that changes once a year. Right. Yeah. The tax code changes once a year. Right? right. So the investment of that is in that once a year update. Right? right? And then it's just maintenance. Credit Karma, I don't even know, 100% understand what Credit Karma gives anyone a value. No other than Other than, I as apparently it gives people suggestions on how to make their credit better. But again, what are those suggestions and who controls what that means? Because right. that's an ever moving target all by itself. Right. So it could be 100% outdated information and you or I or anybody else wouldn't know any better because right? yeah, uh,
0: Listen, I've had, I, I know exactly what the basic, when it comes to, like, fixing, well, send letters to the credit bureaus and ask them to remove this. That's, I mean, you know, I mean, that's not information that is too hard to come by for free. So.
1: Well, so Intuit is, is spending, what according to this article that I pulled, right. Intuit is spending 10% of its market value to purchase MailChimp. Yeah. Now, but still, when you say 10%, nothing.
0: That's nothing, but then it's over ten like the, the, the seven hundred million dollars in earnings in twenty nineteen to twelve billion dollar acquisition. Huh? <sighs> Who's doing the math over there? You well, guys have all this you guys have all this math software Who's doing this
1: (laughs) now? Well, that and who's negotiating. Look, sometimes, look, we we have this in the real estate market right now, right? I can easily make sense of the fact that that house that someone is buying for $600,000 is only worth four. Or right. four fifty, and right. people are still buying it. So in this right. case, did somebody go to Mailchimp and Mailchimp's like, "Are you crazy? We make almost a billion dollars a year and do next to nothing around here. We're all right. getting paid and we're all we're all doing fine. Thank you." And they go, yeah. "Well, what if we write you a check for twenty or twelve billion dollars?" And they're like, "Ah, crap. There you right. go. Yeah, and like, I mean, there you go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I." Yeah. I Oh, so we don't I, I know what negotiation, and you know what I mean. I, I don't right. know that Mailchimp was not a, definitely not a struggling company, right? Well, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I think this is feels like one of, again to me, like a buyer in today's real estate market that really Fair. wanted something. Yeah. And they found someone that would give them a deal. Maybe Intuit just had too much cash on hand, too right. much going on. They have to continue to grow and acquire and whatever. This right. is the probably one of five companies they were looking at that was willing to give them a deal. It cost them ten percent of their market cap, which is relatively cheap, right? When you talk when you talk about, okay, I've got all what this they're money. Buying. I got all this to, money, I gotta do something to, with it.
0: And so and to put another extra billion dollars on your books. And positive cash flow every year.
1: That's it pays great. for itself in a decade. Yeah, right.
0: and, and here's the, and that's just if they stay stagnant with right. the capital influx from Intuit, they could become the player in email marketing. You know? And
1: then turn around in five years later, it looks like a brilliant business deal, even though you overpaid by ten times, right? right you you you've made your money back in less than five years and then it's positive cash flow right, right? I, I mean it's so when you look at it in the long term if they do if they do anything with it it right. could be a good business play but they, right. it doesn't change the fact that you still overpaid for it up front
0: right and I'll never get over it. I listen I will never get over this moment in time that we where we live right now where in which we live where the the capital that people are spending to do acquisitions, and the valuations placed on companies are not tied to anything related to their earnings or their profitability. It is strictly mm-hmm. tied to. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> well, that look, noise doesn't correlate to anything. So that right. noise is the X factor in the that noise represents the 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 process by which companies arrive at valuations like this.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, look, and and here's here's, I I judge a lot of things by how the market we've talked about in our Response first story, yeah. how the market responds to something. This after all of this came out, uh, Intuit stock went up like ten percent of one percent, right? Like the 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 market itself gave a big yawn, like. Yeah. <sighs> Nobody gives you, you bought,
0: like, okay, mm-hmm. all right,
1: whatever. You've got too much money and you bought something stupid, like it, it reacted yeah. like a teenager buying something that they're really proud of, but the yeah. parents are like, Really? You needed another game, you know what I mean? Gaming console? Why did you need that? All right, fine, whatever, go back to your business, right? Yeah, um, so it, it the market reacted at all, not at all to this, right? Again, um, I, I. The key to me when you say, well, you don't understand the valuations, and you know I agree with you on that. Right. But the key to that, to me, in all of these acquisitions is the cash and stock. Right. Because we all know... Going all ba- all the way back to Matthew McConaughey, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Right. It's stock. It's all fairy dust in the wind that never hits land. No, nobody knows if it's, it's going up or down. Yeah, it's all pretend. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Like, when he's doing that, right, in the restaurant, and he's telling you know, he's telling him, hey, look, stocks are all fairy dust and you know yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he's explaining to him when when they write when they sign the bottom of those stock options for for Mailchimp and whatever, it's pretend. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretend money if, I, again, they didn't disclose how much of it was cash and how much of it was stocks, but if it's $2 billion in cash and $10 billion in stock, they just gave you $2 billion. That's all. Yeah, and the rest of it is monopoly money. Right, so exactly. That's, fair. Right? that's
0: That's a fair assessment when you put it that way. When, when, you put it, when you say it's cash and stock, it could have very well been half a billion in cash, the rest of it's in stock. It's right. good stock, which you can't sell for five years.
1: Exactly. Who so that is imaginary after that. It point, could be worth you know? zero, right? Yes. It could be worth zero dollars. It could and and this used to happen in the eighties and nineties, is right. that a company would come in and purchase your company for the essentially retirement benefits of your upper level staff, right? right. All the, the the owners and managers, hey, I'm going to buy you out for what this costs, and everything else is going to be a portion of the new company, and if it fails, right. the upper echelon are taken care of, which is all they cared about to begin with.
0: Uh, exactly.
1: And the, it's just the middle-end employees <laughs> that get shafted. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this and see how, and if they ever disclose, which I never would, right? No. Why how much it? the split is. It could be a lot better deal than we think.
0: And hey... Uh, fun, fun fact before I move on to this next story, but fun fact about that scene in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey was just doing that chest pounding thing to get himself pumped up for the scene. And they just happened to be recording. And that's why you see Leonardo DiCaprio kind of looking around like, what am I supposed to be doing here? And (laughs) It wasn't in the script. He just started doing it. So they're like, all right. Some of the best
1: scenes (coughs) are that way, though, in movies, where it's just actors going, all right, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to try this, or I'm going to whatever. And I, for one, appreciate the talent of our
0: future governor.
1: So, (laughs) That's a completely different conversation that we should have on Patreon, Patreon, just because it would be great.
0: All right, so we're going to jump into this next story about a new private space company, because that's what America needs today. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Big Man Gear. You can go to bigmangear.com. You can gear up with the Big Man Gear's idea of funny merch. Um, Mm -hmm. It's delivered to you via Amazon Prime because, hey, none of us have to hide from our spouses or the people we live with how much we ordered from Amazon.
1: That's right. I'm not
0: saying that my friends had a virtual Zoom um, you know, they had to sit me down and say, Hey, we think you have a problem.
1: <laughs> you had a zoom intervention about your Amazon prime membership.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Um, uh, I did promise to remove one click ordering from my account. <laughs> Good luck getting me to try to do that. But I personally want to thank Elon Musk for being able to send me a bunch of, uh, you know, cheap goods and services. I'm sure they're all mm-hmm. made very ethically and delivered ethically as well. Go to bigmangear.com and you can get all of that stuff that we just mentioned. Uh, so our good friend Steve Wozniak, who's Woz. a good friend of ours. Yeah, I'd like to be called Woz. Is starting a company called Privateer Space. Yes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Here's this guy whose net worth can't really be pegged to anything, right? Okay. Here's this guy who's. Great claim to fame was that he was a co-founder of Apple, ousted mm-hmm. from Apple before they created the iPhone or anything that we think of when we think of Apple in the modern era. Yeah, um, so it makes perfect sense that he's starting. <coughs> by the way, Waz was on a fantastic knockoff uh, Shark Tank show that was extra. That was that was only put out on YouTube, which we talked about called Unicorn Hunters. <coughs> I watched the first episode. And watch is a strong word. I survived the first episode. Did,
1: did it last
0: past the first episode? I do not know. Didn't care. Not going to look it up anymore. <laughs> uh, so, and I actually happen to have some friends who were out in the valley a couple of years ago raising money. They cold emailed Waz and they got him to show up to uh, to a meeting. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Waz is probably a nice guy. He probably has over a hundred million dollars in net worth.
1: But Woz will take anybody's meeting. Okay. Well, but okay, you got a guy. Okay, there. Look, there are some people out there that spend their lifetime doing something, and when they accomplish it, that their kind of direction gets thrown off, right? Well, yeah. What about I would now say Woz, the did co-founder I was of Apple, smart guy, right? right? Whatever. He spent his lifetime creating apple and what was the foundation of apple now and right. he made a hundred million dollars from it
0: and well, he that doesn't was know this. I'm, I'm just saying
1: i'm just saying he made himself a rich man
0: yeah so i'm looking at his net worth right now and according to celebrity dot the leading uh the leading uh tracker of this net worth he's only sure. really worth about 10 million
1: Okay, oh. I, I I bet it's worth I bet he's worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's matter.
0: my guess. Yeah, the the my point
1: guess. though is is he made himself a rich man. And then right. that was kind of just what he did. The the creator of Minecraft sold it for I don't know, billion dollars. Something insane. Right, right, right. And then he, and he came around like two years later and was like, I just sit around my house and do nothing all day. Like, that was my life's work. Yeah. And I don't know what else to do now, right? I think Waz is kind of one of those guys that he, he did what he did for a long time. He got yeah. his money. And he's probably a really simple guy, right? Right. That is right. like, I, I don't really have a passion that was mine. I don't really need a lot of money, right? I live in right. this house and I don't spend a lot of money or whatever, so I right. have everything I'm gonna need. So what am I gonna do? And like a lot of people, they turn to philanthropy, right, right. something I should do. I went and watched this, they, they released this that he was gonna be part of this privateer space and they released a video.
0: Right. And
1: the video, I sat and watched through and um I'm not still not sure like most people what exactly <laughs> this company um wants to completely do. It was right. a whole lot of humanitarian type of we're going to go to space yeah. together. It's this all together.
0: It's about space junk and helping
1: junking all Well, and so space, space junk see, if if uh, that was part of the story was space junk. And look, yeah. let me tell you something. That is a huge industry going forward space Correct. junk is a big deal in right. the future we are already there are already issues with collisions and and satellites smashing into each other and what right. the cost of that is and who's i mean you've got people like elon Musk and star, star starlink putting right. wanting to put thousands of satellites into in an sky. already you know what I mean, and already right, getting right, right. busier and busier, traffic-wise, and stuff like. There's a lot of moving parts, is all I'm saying. Right, right, right. So space junk will become a real thing, considering there's still stuff up there from 50 years ago. Right, right. Um, well, why don't and we just
0: laser it out of the sky? That's like treat it like <laughs> eyebrow hair and just laser it right out of the sky. Well,
1: my... the idea with the idea of space junk, and there's actually been a couple of sci-fi movies about this. The idea, right. though, of space junk is how do we reclaim a lot of that, get it out of the way? How do we right. reclaim it safe? If you reclaim it, there's a cost benefit to it, right, right. of reclaiming it. Anyway, so the point is, is, is if let that's your answer.
0: Out, let me just go out on a limb here and say the future of reclaimed space junk will replace reclaimed wood in the houses of hipsters <laughs> who wear <laughs> wide-brim felt hats. And, and yeah,
1: that's awesome.
0: That is yes. awesome. But if that's the, if that was can the. Just, hold on, can we just take a minute? Can you just imagine the property brothers when they're super old and they're going to be like, you know, in their 60s and they're redoing a house and they're like, this is all reclaimed space, John?
1: This is all reclaimed space metal right here. Came from that's the. It. Thirteenth, blah blah blah, of uh, blah yeah. blah blah. This right? is Apollo thirteenth. <laughs> this table right here was <laughs> made yeah, out of reclaimed yeah. space Absolutely, junk. Absolutely. Right. yes. Is the sundial saying, on the Apollo? So, whatever. Yeah, the so point though so is, if that, that was be. their direction, if the, if right. if Waz came out and said, "Hey, I'm going to build a space company to right. to clean up satellites and space junk, and that's what it is," I'm all for that. Right, but that's right, not right. what he did. Right. He came out and said I'm going to be I want to be part of this privateer space and released a commercial that was for the good of mankind without explaining what any of uh, it's going to do or let is me just or just say
0: as the the resident, you know, uh, you know, super capitalist, the anarcho capitalist of the show here, I am sick of private companies talking about saving the planet. <laughs> Tell me that you want to make a profit. If you just say, "Hey, I started a business doing X, Y, and Z because I want a bigger house on the beach," oh yes, I trust you. I now believe what you're saying. But if you say, "I started a company to save the planet and change the world," you're lying. You're lying. You're you got secrets. You got <laughs> so secrets. You don't. You, got- you
1: don't believe in philanthropy at all.
0: It's not that I don't believe in philanthropy, right? I think that the people who are doing the most philanthropy are doing it for a tax break. I just, listen, this is on a case by case basis because I have to listen to the person and kind of look at them and go, you're faking it or you're real? I know a handful of people that are real and they're doing it because they care about other people, but the 90% of them are doing it to look good. And we all know that. If you just say, hey, I am a capitalist scumbag and I want to make money doing something, I believe you.
1: Well, but if, if Elon Musk was saying this, then I would think that. But why no. would Wozniak? Like, really, what does he get out of this?
0: And, and here's the other thing. Woz, unlike the other private space cadets, let's call them. Right.
1: Musk and, and Bezos, yeah. right?
0: Bezos. And, and, and uh, uh, what's his name? Virgin the Galactic guy. Virgin
1: Galactic guy.
0: Yeah. Not a billionaire. Right? He floats on the back of Apple's trillion-dollar aspirations. Mm-hmm. But he himself, not a billionaire, right? He is a $900 billion short of being a billionaire. That's just to be a one billionaire,
1: right? But that's my point is why would he be involved if it wasn't philanthropic? Why would a guy like this, the guys like this is not, he obviously for the last 30 years has not been trying to get his name out there like a Bezos or whatever. His name's out there.
0: Waz is out there. Okay. Well, of course Seth Rogen played him in the
1: movie. So it's as out there as it's gonna be. Well, but I'm saying, like, but that's my point. Is he has no benefit to me yeah. other than being philanthropic? Like, look, there are some. Uh, this is a real problem. That's why I say, if it's about space junk, it would make sense to me it because, ain't, because it ain't about this no is a real space pro- junk, dude. Look, NASA, NASA asked the government for $15 million last year for them to figure out this problem because they know it's a problem that's coming, right? Right. There are currently over 20,000 pieces of what we call space junk, which are tip. most of it is satellites that no longer work for anybody that don't do anything. There are 20,000 of them that we track on a minute-by-minute basis to make sure that they don't destroy something useful. And if you join privateer space today... You can use some <laughs> of that reclaimed space
0: junk <laughs> in your new home rehab project. You uh, can go to space junk, that private space. I'm kidding.
1: But that I is just, hilarious.
0: I just think that this is, this is me going on a limb. I don't know Waz was personally. Um, although I probably could get his phone number very easily, but
1: <laughs> just tweet him. I'm sure he'll, uh, yeah, I know.
0: Uh, this is him trying to boost that he's an old guy. Okay. This is ego. That's what this reads to me.
1: You think so? I, well, I you're mean, more pessimistic than I am. I'm uh, not yeah.
0: pessimistic. I'm the most optimistic guy. But I My- also think the world is ending, and that's why I'm optimistic. So <laughs> that's all.
1: Right. So, right.
0: all right. Um Let's just jump into this last story, but before we do that, I want to tell all of you about Powerhouse Drones. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in getting into owning a drone, what kind of drone you should get, all that stuff, my website, powerhousedrones.com, has all that information, and we will sort out the right drone for you, for you and your projects. Um, so this, this next story, uh, it's got a little moss on it, a little older, but it's still hilarious. Um <laughs> Mass Mutual, which was the insurer that at one point in time had employed uh, Roaring Kitty, the guy who basically set off the entire—not set off, maybe not the right word—meme word, stock,
1: but but, but yes. had a lot to do with the guy who
0: popularized. Yes, the guy who popularized meme stocks. Right, Roaring Kitty had at one point in time been employed by the insurer Mass Mutual. Mass Mutual has now been fined
1: for $4 million. (laughs) That's, look, this is what people look. I know a bunch of financial advisors. Right? At all different levels. Right? And if you. uh,
0: Mutually, we probably know about 10 or 15.
1: Right. right. And and whether most people may or may not know this about people that work in the finance industry at any level, right? Right. When you're talking about Mass Mutual, when you're talking about TD Ameritrade, whatever, in the financial industry, there are an insane amount of regulations of what people that work in that industry can and can't do. Right. Insane. <clears throat> right. So that's why you 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 don't ever see a TV commercial about an individual financial advisor. It right. has to be about the company, right? right. It, there's a whole bunch of guidelines about what they can and can't do. This is basically predicated because that guy, Gil, right? Is his yeah, name Keith, Keith Gill. Gil. Keith worked for the company Mass Mutual. He was not a financial advisor. He was not a right. licensed financial agent or anything like that. But right. he did work for Mass Mutual. Which makes his guidelines very specific. He violated those guidelines in his 250 hours of YouTube videos on companies like GameStop and BlackBerry and yada yada. Right. And the government has finally come out has you know like they do on the back end of things and saying you and Mass Mutual are going to be fined in this case millions of dollars right because mass mutual in this case which i guarantee you mass mutual whoever's in charge of liability at mass mutual right had no idea until they got a letter from the from the yep. uh, court and, system and right? this is from, so
0: weird because i think his youtubing really only took off like there was a small overlap in, in time if i recall correctly but it wasn't that long of a period Well their time argument was,
1: in the court case, and I went through and read some of this stuff, their argument in the court case was even though the majority of the information that he did, YouTube videos and training videos that he did on. was out after his employment and at MassMutual, Mutual, yeah. he used information that he gained at Mass Mutual mm. to be able to do those videos. So, so it still tracks. It it still effective.
0: But you know, they're saying that his—they failed the the case that the government has made here is that Mass Mutual failed to um, properly supervise him. But Mm -hmm. you know, this and this is—we're seeing this in other verticals of employment. The government is coming down on people and saying, "Hey, you have to do a better job of keeping these people aligned." We're we're reaching a point both in the financial sector and other other sectors. We're not a political show. I'm not trying to make a political statement, but it feels as though the government is outsourcing its like, you know, the the micromanagement and, and micro regulation of individuals to do what they say and want to to corporations and saying, hey, it's your responsibility to clamp down on the people um, when they these people have, you know, ostensibly rights to just
1: talk because of the first amendment. Well, but it's always been that way. What has changed, though, is technology makes that very difficult, right? Right. If this was 40 years ago, this guy loses his job, and then he goes out and finds whatever many people to give him money to buy GameStop at the time and goes from $19 to $419, right? Right. And he makes money, nobody would ever know or care, right? Right. But we live in a world of technology. Here's here's what I think is the greater problem that they're trying to get a hold of with these massive fines is they're trying to put it off. How in a world of technology, Right. In a world where we can go to Reddit and post things, we can post things on YouTube or whatever. Right. I can create the masses and get them on board with something. Right. How do we? How do we mitigate that? How do we control that? When if I have a bad experience at a local Austin bakery, and I can right. go on the internet, and if I go viral talking about this Austin bakery, there right. can be enough backsplash from people all around the world to get that bakery closed down. Right. How do I mitigate that as a government, even if what I'm saying is a complete lie? Right. And, and I think that that, <clears throat> that that notion, again, we're not a political
0: show and I'm not trying to be political. Right. I'm just saying it sets a bad precedent when the government is trying to get the because they realize the government is maybe hamstrung or they're 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 handcuffed from being able to regulate individual behavior
1: on this. Right. Because yeah, mic- they can't like a- go directly after him. Right, yeah. they, they can't go directly. Scale. What he did with the YouTube videos is freedom of speech, right? Yes. He was only putting information out there. He didn't force anybody to make a trade. He didn't right. force anybody to buy or sell or whatever. So they couldn't go directly after him. This is one of those where they're going to go after. Oh, I've an intern somewhere Correct. in the government found that he worked at Mass Mutual two Correct. weeks before he started his videos went viral or whatever, and somebody at the government would go, oh, that's it. That's right. That's it. And then,
0: so and this is there. So here's where my hope and optimism comes from, uh, which for a lot of people seems backwards, but I think what's going to happen. And I think the the long-term ramifications of this is people are going to start to really think about more, more carefully. Do I want to go be under the thumb of this corporation that's operating on behalf of the government to regulate my behavior in and outside of this office right or do I want to go be my own man and do my own thing and create my own platform and build my own endeavor or whatever and that's where I think the the, the, the precipice of the story where this lands is I think we're gonna start seeing more and more people not go to big companies because they can go build if you can build a, a position for yourself, just making a hundred thousand bucks a year, mm-hmm. right? Building a micro business—that's what it would be—a micro business where one person makes a hundred thousand dollars in profit a year—is not like a crazy concept? It's not a crazy notion, and I think a lot of people are going to look at stuff like this and go, "Well, geez, like you know, I know, I know, there was a kid uh, a couple years ago. He just made YouTube videos about playing basketball, and he went. I think, I think it was the kid who." Uh, Tom Seguro was making a video with when he injured himself last year, uh, fellow awful. Austinite now.
1: That was awful, but yes. Yeah.
0: Um, but, and the, whatever regulating body said, Hey, listen, you have the potential to profit from these videos. So you have to choose. You can either play college ball or make YouTube videos. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go make YouTube videos instead. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be faced with these choices of, do I want to have a face or a public... Do I want to have anything outside of my work? Because my work is, again, the cor- the corporation, your manager, management, they're hamstrung because the regulator's coming down on them saying, hey, if you have an opinion on X, Y, and Z outside of this office, you can't work here. Right. And I think that's that's an interesting question. As a business podcast, we have to ask the question... Is that a potential future that harms the ability for corporations, which are currently right now, my buddy was telling me his teenage kid got a job at McDonald's making $16 an hour. Mm-hmm. I worked corporate jobs for less money in an office, I had to wear a nice shirt to work, couldn't wear jeans. Yep. And, I, and I thought, <clears throat> this is how awful the, the, the job market is for the employer. Doesn't this hurt the employer further going down the road, wouldn't you think?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, look, I think you're already seeing that trend take effect. If you look at, for example, the finance industry, we've known for a decade now that right. the finance industry from a personnel standpoint is looking for the next 10 years from 2020 to 2030, was, yeah. is looking at a HR collapse because of the age gap between of financial advisors. You right, have financial right, right. advisors that have been in it for 30 years that are right. now in their 60s. Right. They're ready to finish working, but there's not a lot of people in the middle. They're either these old financial <laughs> advisors that have been around forever, or these young kids without any, you know what I mean, without the knowledge and experience and stuff like that. And right. they've known that forever and done very little to close that gap, right? Right. And as these older folks begin to retire, the question then becomes as a young person, as right. a millennial and general Zer. Why should I go into finance and now be regulated heavily? Right. Where I can only do A, B, and C to build my business. It's not illegal to go on YouTube and build out a a penny stock portfolio, right? right How many right. of those are out there of people that go, no, nope, they make videos of a chart. I think this is gonna go up next week. And if yeah. they have enough people behind them to go out and buy that penny stock to buy that right. whatever right. how many of them you know, can make 100 grand a year by people subscribing to their $3 newsletter or whatever it is what,
0: whatever it is they're substack right.
1: and they don't work for a financial institution they're not regulated by any they can say right. anything they want and they Basically. can be wrong half the time they can be right, right half the time and and as long as they're right enough of the time or make it seem like they were right enough of the time you're done, right? You 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 get your subscribe, you get your subscribers, your mailing list, your whatever, your Patreon, yeah. and you go on about your business. And and I don't know that the regulators have an answer for that right now.
0: Of course they don't. They never have the answer. They show up after the crisis and say, "Well, if you give us a bunch of money, we'll fix it." And then the regulators get jobs as regulators, and then they do that for five years,
1: and then they go off to some private firm to make the real money. Right. That's well, I, I mean but that's that's again I don't know that they have if you turned around tomorrow and all the pe- t- people that were potentially ready to retire in the financial industry the yeah. finance industry as most people know it would collapse because they right. just there wouldn't be enough brokers there wouldn't be enough people licensed right. that kind of thing. Now there are people that and I've talked to people in the finance industry that say hey that would be a good thing the finance industry is old and outdated and it needs to be replaced with something more easily accessible people right. should be able to do more with their money without brokers and, and, and hey, let me yada, yada. you know
0: and let's point out uh, i got a bunch of money tucked away with some robo advisor i don't need some guy telling me what to do some algorithm some other guy wrote will do it all for me without and it'll take a half of, uh, take a quarter of a percent and the broker will take you know like so it works out
1: you know yeah, I mean, look, TD Ameritrade started five or six, seven years ago with employing people that aren't licensed, that are essentially uh, customer service agents. That right, if, right, right. You wanna, if you want to, if you want to call in and make a trade and not yeah. have any advice, they're there to help you. Right? They right. realized that there was a an amount of money to be made. There's a gap. But there was a gap to be made about hey, you want to do X, Y, and Z, and you don't want to. You know what I mean? And yeah. it allows them to not be responsible, right? Like you're calling in saying, I want X and this customer service agent is being paid to just do what you tell them to execute your
0: thing. Yeah, Right. Very good. Well, I think that wraps up our show for today. It does. uh, You know, of course, all of our sponsors are down in the, down in the description. Click those, go to our website, check out our Patreon. Uh, It took, it only took two months. We finally got our Facebook page with the correct (laughs) name on it. They continued to try it took forever
1: uh, we're going will... to do that as another thing on a patreon is we're going to have danny tell us the two month story of how he got our name changed on facebook
0: but there's no story all i could do on this video <laughs> would be smash my laptop against the wall well, because that, that's that's, all... that's
1: what the story that's what the video hey, would be that's hey the...
0: hey i literally called facebook
1: oh god i
0: found their phone number and called them did so... anybody
1: ever answer that's no
0: But that's not the point. (laughs) The point isn't that nobody answered. The point is that I called them.
1: I'm gonna make Danny do that as a Patreon video, is tell us exactly how he feels about the Facebook transition. All right, Danny, do you have one of your stupid comments for us here for the end? I do
0: not have a stupid comment for you. I just want to leave everybody with this this just four-word phrase: Black Swan Event Horizon.
1: I don't know what that is. Anyway, see you next time, folks. By the time, time you figure
0: it out, it'll be too late. <laughs>